Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, where we hear stories from everyday people who do extraordinary things. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Welcome, everybody. Uh, today, we have a kind of a technical episode. I'm sitting down with Pax. He's a repeat uh, guest on the show, and we're actually going to be talking about electricity and how it works on a boat. We're going to show off my ignorance on the subject and hopefully... Just get a good, well-rounded idea of how how it generally works with uh, all the different appliances and electronics on a boat. So should be kind of enjoyable. And just a reminder, if you want to support the podcast, just go over to patreon.com and you can look up Sailing Into Oblivion and you can become a patron. Thank you guys very much and enjoy. And welcome, Pax. Good to be here. Good to be back here. Yeah, you're. Uh, uh, other than my older brother Sven, you are the only other uh, repeat guest we have. Great, what an honor. You're a regular. I love <laughs> it. So today we're going to talk about electricity and boats. Yes. And all that together. And I guess the first thing, just so people know that I'm coming from, sort of, uh, definitely a very beginner barely understand the stuff uh it's it's uh, a miracle that i've been able to keep this boat keep the lights on <laughs> and not electrocute myself but for you where where did you get all your expertise in uh electricity well i've been a combustion engineer for uh almost 20 years now and uh so we just touched everything mechanical electrical uh, programming and I should say that electrical is probably my biggest strength at work. Uh, we work on huge furnaces in steel industry that have m multiple burners and uh, electrical cabinet uh, as big as a, a home fridge, and there's like 10 of them maybe. So, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, okay. Sometimes electrical drawings can be 500 pages. So it's much more complex than a boat, although very different because it's, it, it's, we don't use 12-volt DC but principles stay the same, wiring size, fuses, and uh, just how electricity, electricity travel, all that stuff. So, so it was a pretty good background when I completely redesigned my electrical system, yeah. Yeah, on your boat. Yeah, yeah. And I've been able to actually see some of the work, and it's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> very very nice stuff. So we're, we're, we've definitely, uh, hopefully we'll be able to get into... A little, I don't know, I guess I figured with this, it would just be cool to get some information out there, basic stuff, um, you know, I guess just starting with like the normal, just the normal operation of a, a boat's electrical system from, you know, you've got, obviously you get the power plant, which would be the engine or the shore power, but then where does it go from there? Yeah, uh, you know, your 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 battery bank, That that's the power you have, and that's the... the that's where it comes from. Now you need charging capacity, but um, I think before you do any of that, you need to set your needs, and it's just gonna depends on everybody. You know, how much do you need? Two hundred amp hour, four hundred? I, I don't know. It depends. So how we, much? Basically, you're saying you got to think first how much electricity you're gonna be using on a daily basis. I think this step is super important. Like 
it's pretty easy to do. You should just run a spreadsheet. Keep that mic real close. You should. Uh, there we go. Make a spreadsheet and just run. What equipment do you have? Like lights? Do you have a microwave? We don't. But say you you like to uh, eat microwave dinner every night. You got to account for it through the inverter. So you just make a list of everything you have and maybe run different scenario. Like uh, that's pretty much what we should be consuming. Like you know that. Television, two hours a day, microwave. Uh, uh, and tw- what, what does that a, uh, get measured in? So, like, let's say, let's say a refrigerator, a normal fridge on a boat. What would you? What what number and what unit would you use to measure that? You can use amps, or you can use a watt. It's just a, it's the same thing. Okay. But yeah. It's. Uh, so what would it, what it, would it, normal refrigerator take in amps? It's it should be uh, around five amp. Five, maybe six, depending on size. Most okay. boats have an amp meter, um, you know, near the electrical panel, so you can pretty much shut off everything and then turn the fridge on. And you're like, all right, that's that's f- five amp. Right. A uh, little difficult to figure out how much the fridge would be running in a day, but you know, I, I during the summer I figure it was at least twenty minutes an hour. Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, that's eight hour a day. Uh, during winter, it's obviously less than that. So uh, if you're using it for eight hours a day, does that is it eight times five amps? Yes. So yes. for so that that's day, forty amp hour. Yeah. Forty amp yeah. hour. Yeah. Okay. And then say you're you're gonna run a, another piece of equipment for thirty minutes, and that's a two amp. Well, for thirty minutes, that means it's one amp hour. That makes right. sense. Right. Okay. Yeah. And and you can look at your amp meter. You can buy those uh, clamp meters. So you can measure it yourself. Uh, you can uh, look at uh, on, on the tag on, say, a water kettle. There should be a tag that says, oh, that's 1,500 watt. Mm-hmm. 1,500 watt divided by 120 volt, that's going to give you like 11 amps. Oh, okay. So that's how you do the conversion from yeah. watts to volts is divided by 120? Divided by vol- voltage, yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. sorry, wattage divided. Okay, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Ah. So a fridge running at 5 amp. I'm already volt, learning stuff. You know, that that <laughs> that we're talking about a, a sixty watt fridge. Okay. On a twelve volt system, yeah. So and and forgive me because I, I because this this is a really interesting subject to me, and because I'm such a beginner, we're gonna have to take this pretty slow, and keep it pretty uh, pretty simple. But so let's say, just for sake of argument, this boat, all I have is my fridge. And that's it. That's all I'm trying to power. And we can get into, like, the engine starting battery later. But let's say I just have the fridge, and it's producing, what did we say, like 20 20 amp hours? Yeah, but no, it would be probably closer to 5 amp. Oh, okay. Closer to 5 amp if you run it for, like, uh, 6 to 8 hours a day. And you should try to be... uh, you know, to try to get the worst number possible. So running the fridge when it's pretty hot here in South Carolina. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so air it, on the side of caution. So probably yeah. a 40 amp hour a day. So now how do I figure out as far as what, what batteries or or how how strong of batteries? I mean... <sighs> well, here's a... I, I don't want to go too much in detail with the battery gel or acid or lithium. Right, right. But... You know, just uh, in in one minute, you gotta. Uh, there's, yeah. You research the web, you'll read a ton about it. But everybody, I think, know that acid battery. You start losing voltage pretty quickly. You yeah. shouldn't run them down to fifty percent. So if you have a hundred amp hour acid battery, 
already you know you 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 don't have that first 50 amp hour that's that's not usable it might as well not be there yeah versus lithium so obviously i went lithium and instead of uh you know having like 400 amp hour of acid i just got 200 uh lithium uh which is plenty for our needs because um, you can use the whole thing although you don't want to like just run down your lithium battery then charge them back and you know that's not that's right not what right we do, but uh yeah well, so on on this boat, I have I have basically my house bank, which is four deep cycle lead acid batteries, just the regular basic like car batteries, I guess you would call it. I just get them at you know wherever the hardware store, so they're nothing special. They're very basic, and I'm assuming most boats probably have those. When I have more than one, so what what would sort of I guess the standard deep cycle battery? What how many amp hours is that? Just a re- well, just a regular, regular regular battery. Yeah, I'm not sure what it, what is the regular. I would say a hundred, a hundred amp hours. I, I think that's like a like regular size, like kind of like car size. Yeah, yeah. I think those are about a hundred. Okay, yeah. so if I have four of them on here and they're all linked together, yeah. So I get four hundred amp hours. Yeah, it would make sense. Yeah, but because they're lead acid, essentially I can only really use half of that. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. When you're going to get to 50%, you're not going to get 12 volt. You'll get down to, I don't know, maybe 10.8, and that's when the lights will go down. And, yeah, and that's yep. typically so on my little meter that shows the voltage, uh, when everything's topped up, it usually sits around like 13.7 volts or something. And then uh, I just watch it drop down if there's nothing else charging it. Um, and then usually in the morning, if the fridge has been running or something like that, it's down to maybe 12 volts or 11.9. And so. you see what happened. When, when you start uh, dropping your voltage because your battery is getting under 60%, you have a little less voltage. Mm-hmm. But the equipment still uh, uses the same energy. But because yeah. the, the voltage is lower, it's going to use more amp. You know, like 100 watt. Uh, oh, so it becomes less efficient. Yeah. Ah, yeah. and now you have, you've got uh, lithium batteries, correct? Yeah, on so, your boat. So the voltage doesn't really drop, uh, drop down. Uh, right. Okay. Okay. And they're just it does a little bit, but not uh, not as much. Yeah. Do you need as as big of a battery bank with those? How many How many of them do you have? I have two one hundred amp hour. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And that's what I had. I had two 100 amp hour acid battery. I replaced them with two 100. So the same thing. Yeah. But lithium, just switching to lithium, I pretty much double my bank. Okay. Well, and mine are usually about a hundred dollars, hundred and ten dollars, I think. How much are the lithium ones? They're expensive, it, aren't they? Yep. That's yeah, yeah. They're coming down, but uh, um, yeah. Last summer I paid uh, I think eight hundred dollar each. Each. Yeah. Holy smokes. Okay. Yeah. Well, and then what about um, supposed to last longer though? Oh, we've got a we've got a caller up there. We're doing a podcast, man. Freaking love marina life. Look at those. What is that? These are edible sprouts, broccoli, and uh, those are perfect to sprinkle on a pizza. Yeah, right. Oh gosh, you know, I'll tell you what, I love communal living. It's just, it's so good. We just got a present. These nice little microgreens. Who so, was that? That was Chris. He's been on the show as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, sorry. Sorry to interrupt all that, but, uh, you know, that's how it is. People just come and knocking. 
Um, so you see how important it is to. Uh, okay, now uh, you know. Say we understand the battery. Okay, like like a hundred amp hour or two hundred. Yeah. Lithium, like acid, you don't have a hundred percent of of that bank. But uh, say just for the sake, uh, we're talking lithium, and you have you know almost a hundred percent. But you yeah. don't want to uh, run down your battery every day. Then you recharge them during the day and stuff like that. I, I like to say, uh, say you got three or four days of just like shitty weather, cloudy, you're not really recharging anything with yeah. your solar. You should have a, a bank big enough to sustain you. With, so, so I think if you if you're using a 40 amp hour, that's that's very very low number. But you know, I think you should be able to run your that power without recharging for three or four days at minimum so we're talking 160 amp hour before you you for, for that need at 40 amp hour a day well is it is it better with the lithium to run it only down say 50 60 percent and then charge it back up or it doesn't matter at all really uh, the the uh, I, I think that the when the the manufacturer tell you like oh this battery is good for six thousand cycle and this is uh, at, right, at right. an eighty percent discharge uh if you only discharge them forty fifty percent it yeah like the the whole efficiency uh that's a, i'm not sure I, I i know the number for that science i think it would probably diminish the life of the battery but i don't think it would be that much well i know that that's the same sort of concept with regular lead acid batteries as well is that if you're undercharging them it's bad for it um and if you're overcharging them that's can be even worse that can be the kiss of death even faster i typically try to get five years out of mine um but i haven't done a great job <laughs> uh, supposedly be uh, better with lithium and my battery i expect them to last for 10 years oh really yeah. okay so, so and that's i think that's where the when when you look at the prices of them in the end you're probably they're probably still about the same yeah because i had to buy two only two batteries to have 200 usable yeah yeah power, and they're better. gonna last a heck of a lot longer yeah yeah right right okay so we've got We've got our battery bank, and we've got it powering sort of all these other things. Now, on a boat, when I peel back my control panel with all the circuit breakers and stuff, it's it's all nice and neat in there, but there's, like, a lot of wires, and they're going to a lot of places, and there's buses and all that stuff. Can you – this is your challenge. Can you take me through something that goes – a wire that goes from the battery – <laughs> to whatever stuff yeah, it has yeah. to go through there to then turn on this light. Yeah. Um, and the confidence <laughs> is very encouraging. Uh, yeah, just, you know, if you, if you strip down everything, how you, and then you're free to just design the way you want, then you should just do it right. And you should go from the positive to the battery to a bus bar. And what's I, a bus bar? I, I, actually, I, I take this back. You should go to, from the positive of the battery to a fuse, and then from that fuse to a bus bar. And the negative of the battery should go to a, a common bus bar also. And, and then, a, you can, then you can start spreading from, from there. And what's a bus bar? Bus bar is a d distribution bar where you have a, um, your, your, your positive going to this, uh, you know, like a, just a multiple screw on a, on a 
on a, the same place. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Almost like a, a surge protector, you know, where you've got one plug that now you can plug six different things into it. Yeah. In a way. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. You just have to uh, design and function, function of uh, how much amps will go through different wires. So your, your big main from the battery, that's going to be everything at once. So you, you might be running a 150 amp uh, uh, at once, if you go through an inverter, it's it's going to be pretty high. Yeah. So then you have to size that wire from there. But from that bus bar, you have a one wire that's going to power up your all circuit breaker, and mm -hmm. that's that's going to be a much smaller uh, a, a cable. And you you should be fusing everything, every wire. Every wire yeah, should have yeah, a fuse. Yeah. There's a misconception that uh, people think that fuses protect equipment, and and it. it there's uh, fuses that do that, but fuses that protect the wire. If the f if a fuse you don't have a fuse or it's too big for the wire, the wire can catch on fire. That that's when you want the fuse to break up the circuit. Ah, okay, okay, yeah. Because I mean, if if you have too much electricity flowing through too small of a wire, yep. it heats yep. up, melts the plastic coating off of it. Yep. And if you've got debris and dust, which most people have behind things on boats, yeah. it catches fire and... Just, you know, standard wire that uh, everybody knows. Those are usually gauge four, 14. Yeah. Uh, this is good for 15 amp. On DC, you got to be careful because uh, the longer the cable, that's uh, very restrictive. So you... Uh, I think a rule of thumb is about every 10 foot, you need to increase the size of the wire. Oh, okay, okay. But there's chart for that that really tell you like a, a wire number four is good for a 90 amp uh, for like up to 20 feet, and at at 30 feet, then it that wire is good for like 70 amp. And oh, okay, okay. So if you really want to run 90 amp and that's your length, well, you got to go bigger. You got to go bigger. Yeah. Okay. So from the battery fuses, you protect your wiring. Then a bus bar to distribute for. Uh, circuit breakers, panel, and then uh, maybe windless. Um, you need ad additional fuses for those different wiring that are going to be smaller wi wires, so you fuse them again. And from the circuit breaker, if you want to fuse instrument to protect instrument, then you can use other fuses. Th those fuses will be for your instrument. Usually those would be those small glass fuses. Yeah, yeah. So I have those for, for the AIS... VHF and that chart plotter, they all have a little tiny fuse at that last moment before the wire goes in, the positive goes in. And are the fuses always on the positive, typically? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. So just so I'm, I'm getting this right, it's going from the battery, which is powering the bus. Where, where does the, the big red switch come in where you get to oh, switch yeah, between? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of forgot about that. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Take a drink off your beer. It's your punishment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that, uh, that's also uh, pretty much uh, the, for the first thing to turn uh, the power off. So or, that, or select between one battery or the other one. Uh, yeah. So that really is before anything goes to the bus then. It's yeah. going straight yeah. to that switch. Yeah. Okay, okay. Because on mine, obviously, you, and on most, I mean, you can do one battery bank, you can do two battery banks, or you can do both. Yeah, that's the switch I have, but uh, it's only wired to both of them now. 
So it's an on-off switch now. I don't have one battery or the other one. Uh, okay. Yeah. And when, when you turn that off, because that's typically what I do on this boat, is I will, when I leave to go for like a month or something, I unplug it from shore power, and I turn the switch off. The solar panels are still charging the batteries because those run directly to the little solar controller thing, which then goes directly to the batteries. So the whole bank is constantly getting up to like float charge if it's sunny out and that's what you want to do right yeah yeah that's that's exactly uh how you should do it yeah okay i kind of have two positive bus bar on my boat one is for the power that is going to equipment Mm -hmm. distribution and i have another positive bus bar that is uh, the charging coming to that bus bar basically one dc to dc charger that is connected to the alternator uh the shore power charger and uh, the the solar charger. Yeah, because those those are typically the three main sources of electricity on a boat. You've got the number one most isolated one. I I would suppose is the engine because you know you don't need a dock and you don't need solar panels for that. And that you know you essentially just have an alternator. So anytime the engine's running, it's doing. I think mine probably pumps about forty amps or something like that. Um, but if I want to, with these old style batteries, if I want to get them up to full charge, I have to run the engine for probably four hours. Does it charge your battery as soon as you turn the engine on? You don't... Uh, yeah, it takes the, it takes about 20 seconds before I watch the meter go whoop and kick okay. right on. And you can, you can hear it in the engine because that alternator puts in a little bit of extra load onto the engine. Uh, as far as like working, um, but yeah, it just it just starts going, and yeah, it usually takes about four hours if I want full top up. But because I have the solar as well, a lot of times I don't need that. Uh, I can only I, I only have to run it for a little bit. But again, it depends on if the fridge is going, what else is going, and how how far I've drained the batteries down. I sort of separated my engine from the lithium battery or the house battery. That are lithium versus the the engine battery. That that that's still the old one, just a cranking battery. Oh, okay, and that's lead acid, right? That's lead acid. So the two systems are kind of separated. So the alternator is only charging that engine battery, but the engine battery powers up a DC to DC charger. So I use that engine battery to recharge my um, lithium battery, the house battery, but. A DC to DC is just a completely separated power. It's like almost like a transformer. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And I can switch it on or off, so I can run my my engine without charging my lithium if I don't need to. There's a now. Does that when when you're running that much current through a battery, so it's it's going in through from the engine and it's charging the battery, but then it's also charging the other stuff. Is that doesn't that shorten the lifespan of a battery well i uh I, I checked that a couple of weeks ago actually i wanted to just know exactly how because that dc to dc is 40 amp it's gonna take power from the engine battery and give me 40 amp to recharge the lithium yeah. no matter the rpm of the engine right but i wanted to know what's the alternator putting in and at idle the uh, my alternator put 30 amps so i'm at i'm at the deficit there Oh, okay. At idle, yeah. I, I put 30 in, 
and I take 40 out, so I don't really want to do that. I figured that that 1500 RPM, that's pretty much when where I break even. 40, oh, okay. 40. Um, but uh, I, uh, yeah, I don't have to run the charger. Uh, if if I run it, I should be aware that under fifteen hundred, I'm I'm at the deficit on my engine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, with this one, which is an old Perkins engine, um, I want to say around eight or nine hundred RPM is when that sucker kicks up. It'll give a little bit of juice to the batteries at idle, which I think is about six thousand RPMs. I should probably just change my alternator. Or a little bit, little bigger one, something that would give me at least fifty uh, amp at idle. Right, right. Okay, well that gives me, I I definitely feel like I have a little bit more understanding of sort of the whole system. I really didn't realize the fuse thing. That makes me curious to see <laughs> just how how this boat was put together as far as all the fuses. Oh yeah, old boat. I don't think they're. Legit, yeah. legit with ABYC, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of feeling it's probably not. And, I mean, I know there's little things like this light that I've hooked up and a few other things that I've hooked up that I definitely did not put fuses on each and every one. And how do you, when you are looking to figure out what size fuse to put on, how do you figure that out? It's the wiring. That's what you want to protect. So uh, we, we, we set an example, a 14-gauge wire. Mm-hmm. That wire can sustain 15 amp. So the, it should be on a breaker or a fuse of 15 amp. Oh, okay, or, okay. Or less. Gotcha. Yeah. And then if you're trying to protect whatever thing that you're running with it, you just got to look at what that will draw, its maximum, and then match that. No fuse is only for the the wirings. If you if you're running uh, something that takes ten amp, yeah. Uh, say you 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 ran pretty big cable on it. That that cabling can take twenty amp. You don't need a you know a ten or fifteen amp fuse. You take you need a twenty amp fuse. Fuse for the wiring. Yeah. Oh okay okay. Well, so nothing is going to protect that. That that now if you want to protect the instrument. Yeah. Uh, and you know like a. I changed my nav light, and they were uh, recommending to, I think it was a 3-amp fuse. Um, I'm not going to put a 3-amp fuse on my wiring circuit. So my, my circuit is protected with the appropriate fuse for that wire size. The nav light are protected with a 3-amp fuse. And I got, a you know, I don't know, 10 or 15 of those small glass fuses. They're all different sizes Yeah. per the manufacturer instrument. Okay, okay. Gotcha. That makes sense. Interesting. Okay, okay. And I guess, I mean, you know, with, with the boats having shore power, I suppose that's just that's that's just AC power getting hooked to your boat, right? Yeah. Essentially. Because, I mean, yeah. that's I have it on here just so that I have outlets, and then I do have like a 40-amp a battery charger on board. So if it's not sunny, like a day like today, I've, I have it on right now. So it's topping up the batteries. Um, I, the way I set up my, mine, I, I, uh, I bought a new inverter, a 2,000-watt inverter. Mm-hmm. And I got a manual switch that select from shore power or uh, inverter power. And so that, that switch takes both sources. Um, say I would... I would have the inverter on and the boat plug on shore power that switch select either or but uh 
uh, I, I can't have that the power from both sources at at the same at the time, same which time, would, which would be bad. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And then from there, from that switch, I run to my 120 volt breaker panel and then to all the, the 120 out outlet on a boat. Right, right. Okay. And then you have AC and the heater. That runs off shore power, doesn't it? Or no? That is the only thing I have uh, on shore power right now. Yeah. Everything else is uh, run through the inverter. It's run through yeah. the inverter. Yeah. So that, that one actually, it's, it's, uh, it's really a power cord that runs my heater straight out to the marina shore it doesn't go to that uh, uh shore power plug on on the boat right right okay yeah yeah that's the only thing i i really can't run from my battery system and, and inverter yeah well i mean that yeah i would think out of any appliance on any boat air conditioning would probably be yeah, yeah. the biggest well, power you see suck it. At the beginning, when we start about uh, your, your power needs, a lot of people, they, they, they can't live without AC in the summer, and that's okay. But, you know, you really need to account that. Now you might need 600 or 800 amp hour battery because you run around that AC uh, at night. Ah, okay. And hence, hence my, my whole mantra of keep it as simple and basic as possible. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely times where I'm like, man, I wish it was. But I, I just, I've always just used fans, I guess. But uh, yeah, there are times where AC would be kind of nice because the bugs. But as far as designing a simple, uh, as little as possible, or or somebody that really want everything, it'd be the same thing. You know, uh, how much do you need, and then that's gonna size your battery bank. And once your battery bank is sized, now you can start sizing your charging. Uh, uh, your your solar to recharge all that right right and then as far as solar goes i know on mine i have two different panels you've got two panels on yours correct yeah yeah and those are measured in watts yeah so i guess if i'm trying to prove that i've actually learned something i think i have a 180 watt panel and then a 120 watt panel so i got 300 watts up there and if i divide that by <laughs> dang it what do i divide that by volts volts so volts that i'm using no the the solar will uh, uh generate a voltage and it's not going to be 12 volt it's going to be a uh, uh, 18 19 uh, uh it, def it depends on the panel some of them will be a uh, even a uh, almost 30 volt okay but, but say, say 20 volt that's what they're generating at the at this hour of the day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then, uh, you know, 300 watt divided by 20. So that's like, a, what is it, 15? 15 amp hour? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but, gotcha. But 300 watt panel will pretty much never give you 300 watt of panel of uh, power. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, even just the smallest little line of yeah, shade. Yeah. And uh, uh, to, to and be honest, that. I'm a little bit disappointed at my at that. I got two 175, so 350 watt. Yeah. And obviously, I never saw them close to 350, but I was expecting a little more than than what I've seen. I think the highest I've seen them was like 275 or 280, and that was like the best sunny day in the summer. Yeah. Now that the sun is always kind of like at not you know. Uh, not at the best angle. Like yeah, it's like the old wintertime, yeah. southerly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the temperature also affected, yeah. 
But you know, I bought 350 watt, and I, I never, re yeah, never really go above 250. I have, but it's rare. Well, and I tell you, I mean, out at sea, on this, on every voyage I've ever been on, you know, you get out there and you're actually sailing, so the boat's heeled over, and depending on what tack you're on. Yeah. If I'm headed north or south, like literally, if I'm on if I'm on a port tack headed north, uh, I won't those those panels won't see any sun until well afternoon, uh, and then by the time they are in sort of full sunlight, then the sun's already past its peak and it's headed down. Plus, it's always moving and all that. I've had I remember when I was trying to really really be able to run that fridge to protect some food. And I was tacking in the morning so that the panels would face the sun better and then, and like backtrack and then turn and go the other way uh, in the afternoon just to get a little extra juice and like never open the fridge and all that stuff. Man, they, that's one of the things I, I think a lot of people don't think of is, is that once you do get out to sea, those panels aren't going to be efficient like they are when you're stationary. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> there's a big, yeah, there's a big difference. But I mean, I I do love the fact that that I can sort of farm electricity from the sun. There's something about that to me. I just yeah, I love yeah. it. I love that feeling. So I've, cool. I've been off the shore power over here at the marina since uh, October. Oh, nice, yeah. man. Beside my my uh, portable AC slash heater unit. Yeah. But I, everything else, uh, we've been on. Uh, recharging the battery off the off solar yeah, yeah yeah i think it was in november we just had a couple of days of just rain and cloudy and pretty much putting nothing back in the battery with solar wow and my battery got down to like 25 percent after like four days and uh, and finally sun came back and uh you know slowly recharging the battery it took more than a day to get back to 100 percent. yeah but really like i, th I think it's pretty neat no, I think it's cool. I, you know, I, I think also, you know, normally when you're, you're just living in a house, electricity is just something that you have. You take it for granted, I guess. Yeah. When you're on a boat, especially if you're really striving to utilize something like solar, you pay attention to it. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know. I mean, it is fun, especially with, I know you can get um, some, some of the solar charge controllers have integrated you know uh, apps that you can have on your smartphone so you oh yeah, can, yeah, yeah it'll give you uh, all these diagrams That's and stuff what I got. And it's blue bluetooth connection and i can see uh, all the record and, yeah, right right see that's i don't know it's it's so cool i i was only ever able to do that with uh a small uh wind blade or uh winter yeah, yeah wind turbine, turbine. That I had uh, down in the Caribbean one year, and that worked out pretty well. But it was it was literally the cheapest one you could buy. I could barely afford it. But the problem I had with that is when the wind cranked up, and it supposedly had like a guard against overcharge. But I would look sometimes when it was really gusty, and all of a sudden my meter would say that I'm at 15, 16 volts. And I know that's definitely not good for a battery. <laughs> so there were a lot of times I had to sort of shut it down. But I, you know, I spent an entire winter season down in the Caribbean at anchor. Um, and my batteries were always topped up. And the Caribbean's an exception because it's always windy down there. But um, between the solar and that, 
you know, I was able to have all the lights on and have the fridge going all the time and, and no worries at all. Yeah, that's the next thing. I'm like, if I really need more power, more charging, I might get the a wind generator. Because at one point on a boat, you, you, you know, you only have that much real estate to put solar. Yeah, yeah. Like on a catamaran, maybe you can put easily a thousand watt, but on a 35 foot boat, uh, yeah, where where we're going to put them. <laughs> exactly. Well, and it, so on this last trip, I I had a dead battery in my bank, and so I wasn't able to like the I was losing charge. It wasn't holding a charge at all, and I'd watch it just dropping and by the morning it would be at 11.5 volts or something. Um, but I isolated it and found the one that was just not holding a charge at all. Like if you, if you charged it all up, once that one was disconnected, it just completely down. So I, I took it out of the bank and now I just have three batteries in there. But what I was trying to do to sort of bring everything back to life is I took my spare solar panel and rigged it up on the side Uh, so I ended up having like three solar panels up there and it was pretty amazing to see how, how much that added to it. Um, but now some people have pretty cool mount where you can, uh, move the, the solar at an angle. Yeah. Yeah. M maybe not uh, everywhere, but at least, uh, maybe forward and aft. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Then that's pretty cool. Like in the morning or evening, you just tilt your panel and that, that makes a pretty good difference. The only trouble with those I was able to only do that for, a, uh, I don't know, a week maybe um, in really light conditions. That is why I did not do it because I don't, I don't want to have like a weak point of uh, yeah. yeah. So my solar panel are pretty uh, sturdy. And uh, yeah, and we had what, 40 gusts of wind uh, last week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, well, have, I don't, and I I mean, don't care about it. The biggest thing is, you know, uh, uh, when you're out at sea you get into something really ugly and a breaking wave hits a flat surface and it'll it'll take out whatever it's going to take out but huh interesting interesting but yeah i do i i love solar and i i definitely i mean the wind was cool it was sort of noisy and it was something there were a lot of nights where i had to get up and you know deal with it when it got real gusty out or something mm. um so i wasn't the biggest fan of it But I could see the potential for, you know, if you really need to have a lot of juice on your boat and you're going to be at anchor, that's perfect. The other one, which I've never experimented with, is... Um, hydro? The hydro yeah. one. So whether it's the propeller that drops down and it spins, or there used to be one that you used to drag behind. Yeah. So on the cable, I know they're pretty expensive, um, but... You know, if you're if you're moving, I think if I were headed back down to like the Southern Ocean or something, I would want something like that because down there it was cloudy probably more than 50% of the time. And so solar really didn't do anything and you're always moving. Well, yeah, you're, if you're always moving, you're stuck. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I, those are they're all pretty interesting. The other one um, is when you have. So on this boat with this old engine, and I don't know if the transmission is just like shot or whatever, but the propeller free spins and you can't, if you put it in reverse, it doesn't stop it. It just keeps spinning. And I remember talking to somebody and they were like, oh no, that's just how that transmission works. It's like a velvet drive or something. Hmm. I'm not hundred percent sure. I'm definitely not an expert, but they were like, you know, you ought to get some sort of low 
uh, rotation alternator that you can just hook up to that because if it's just going to spin because i mean most alternators have to spin crazy fast to get them to go but they make different ratios for that don't they yeah 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 i don't know if they make really low ratio for like uh, gosh i don't know how you would connect that to your oh you'd have to probably like weld a gear on there and use like a bicycle chain or something like that (laughs) or a belt i guess i i don't know i ended up on this trip just putting uh, a pipe wrench on it and I busted my finger something fierce the first time I did it because it was spinning pretty slow, I thought. And I went and I grabbed the mm-hmm. – I've got the pipe wrench in my hand. I'm leaning. I'm over the engine in this little thing, headlamp sweating. And I just reached down, and that sucker bit. Wham! And just smashed my finger. It's now no longer one of those black fingernails. Um, but I never did that one uh, that, that stupidly again. So the Strength of the water. Yeah, oh man. Well, cuz it's a it's a big three-blade prop on this thing. Uh I think ideally like if I were to do another big big trip, I'd probably get like a folding prop or at least drop it down to like a two-blade where if you spin it just right, then the blades are vertical because on this boat they're hidden behind a pretty sizable. It's not very hydrodynamic on this boat. Um so I don't know, because literally when, when I'm in really rough conditions and running and surfing, the whole boat's vibrating from that, that prop spinning. It's like, and you can feel it, and, it's, uh, and the transmission heats up. Yeah, which can't be good. I, I put mine on forward or, or uh, reverse, and it stops uh, stops turning. Yeah, I think from what I ascertained from reading about it, it can be bad because if there's bearings, yeah. basically there's no cooling going on in it. And that's what I felt one time. I went in there to stop it because it had been spinning all night, and the transmission was hot. I hadn't run the engine in forever. And I was like, whoa, okay, this is definitely not good. Um, but I think Yanmars are the only ones where you're not supposed to do that. Put it into gear to stop it. But they... I guess you can do clamps, and there's a whole bunch of different things. I mean, a pipe wrench is probably the most <laughs> caveman-ish thing, and it's annoying as hell because then when you want to fire up the engine, you got to go take it off, and I don't know. It's a pain. Wow. We're a little ghetto on board old Mighty Sparrow these days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I'm trying to think what other, what other electrical sort of oddities. Oh, I got a question for you. Yeah. What about lightning? Yeah. What are I, your opinions on that in boats? Well, that's the one thing we did not talk about, the whole grounding system. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty important to have a good ground system where just your AC uh, from shore or inverter should be grounded. Um, your negative side of the battery should also uh, be on that ground. And, obviously, your engine block and yeah lightning oh my god that's a project uh, i don't know if i'm gonna do it one day but uh we're not really protected right now i mean well, I'm, I'm i'm protected because because neighbors are taller than me that's my protection <laughs> <laughs> do you think there's a bunch of things there's a i forgot that the name of that uh thing you basically put that on top of the mast it's a i think a dissipator yeah it's yeah. like a big brush where it, it would uh 
Yeah, and then uh, grounding the mass to uh, a lightning uh, grounding plate, I guess, that would be mounted. Uh, I've on got that on this yeah. boat. Yeah. No, that's, that's there's good, there's like a little rod up top, and then there's that's got a big, pretty heavy-duty wire going all the way down the mast, and then it goes to this plate. But do you really think that 1.21 gigawatts hitting any of that stuff on a boat? Oh, it would is, help. It would is, help. It would help? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. Where do you think the safest place to be during a lightning storm for a person is on a boat? Down below or in the cockpit? I don't know. The chance that the lightning will strike you, I think it's it's extremely unlikely. If, if you get hit, it's going to be the mass. So it, I would think that it's just away from metals, from, away from the Keep mass. Keep that mic close. There we just, go. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, you know... Cockpit or down below, but yeah, I would think just not too close to that grounding plate. <laughs> I, I it's just one of those things. I always I think about it when when it's happening. I'm always obviously thinking about it because it's scary. You never got hit on a no. I, I've never been hit, and there's been bolt lightning. I I there was one electrical storm I went through as I was approaching um, Sable Island up in the North Atlantic. And the next day, the Garmin inReach, the AIS, and the VHF stopped working. Oh, wow. And there was bolt lightning hitting the water pretty close to the boat. And I don't know. I can't think of any other reason why that many systems would fail in one, one go. Are they well-grounded? Uh, well, the Garmin inReach is just a, you know, a device um, that's not plugged into anything. Um, yeah. The VHF and everything, that, yeah, I mean, that that uh that's it's got fuses and it's got all that and and i'm assuming it's all i'm pretty sure it's all grounded something i'm gonna have to look at (laughs) that's that's funny that the portable stopped working yeah yeah i don't know and it you know that one had some age on it had some miles uh but still to have all three of them stop working in one shot didn't that was like huh that's a little weird i think something probably happened but who knows i mean electricity is a weird thing well, I'm trying to think if there's any any oh um, what's the difference? So, when I first got on this boat, it had a battery bank of four house batteries, but they were all six volt, and they were put together yeah. not in not in parallel, they not were, in parallel. They were in a series. Yes. So they basically essentially were two six volts combined together to form yeah. two twelve volt batteries. And funny thing, when I replaced them with 12-volt batteries, I hooked them up the same. And the first time I hit the button to see how many... 24. Oh, it just (laughs) went, wham! (laughs) Luckily, I realized my mistake uh, when I saw that, and so I didn't turn anything else on, and I I reconnected them all. But what would be... Is there any benefit to that, having having batteries set up in that uh apparently six volt battery uh are uh, almost the the best uh power you can get for for your money um, oh okay yeah, i think i think it's a, the cheapest way to go like you can buy yes four six volt battery and have run them in siri so you have two 12 12 volt battery or you know with the two six volt in Siri, yeah, and uh, I think it's a cheaper way to have a like two hundred amp power out of it. Oh, okay. Uh, beside uh, that uh, advantage, I don't know 
they, I think they're very easy to find about anywhere in uh, the world. Yeah, 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 and uh, they're cheap, they're light. Uh, but as far as uh, powering the boat, and I don't think there's any other advantage compared to a bigger battery. Or gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Well, and those suckers were old and they were swollen. I remember that being like <laughs> those. They, you know, that instead of that rectangle, sharp edges and all that, every one of them was puffed out, which definitely denotes uh, a damaged battery <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Oh, man. And like I told you the other day, um, I've got one battery that's gassing. So essentially, it's it's either receiving too much uh, electricity from the solar panels, I think it was, because it was up above 14. And uh, I could hear a hissing when I was in the engine room, and I looked over, and you could see a little bit of the acid coming out of the cap. So, See, that's all... Lithium for me is much safer for all that. You don't have that gas and uh, uh, yeah, those like a hazard condition with lithium. Although you, lithium can catch on fire if you overcharge them, but pretty much all of them now have uh, this uh, BMS uh, system integrated to it that they 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 will refuse charge when they're full. Right, right, okay. And I know that with the solar stuff, all those charge controllers. Yeah. Don't they just have little heat plates in them or something where once you're at float charge, it's distributing the electricity to these little plates? Isn't that the way they try and get... And I, they don't get like red hot or anything like that, but they're taking the electricity and just dispersing it into like a little heat plate or something. That's what I always thought. I don't know. Huh. See how little I know? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of guesswork on my end. <laughs> Well, who knows? Who knows? Um, gosh, that's interesting. That that gives me some food for thought, really, uh, especially with um, how the system is set up. Because I'm going to have to go through this boat and and really isolate some of these things and make sure some of these extra lights that I've put in and fans and things like that are all. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. Uh kind of drawing uh, the uh, electrical system of the boat. I wanted to know how it was and how, uh, what I'm going to do with it. Just draw a new, completely new drawing, and uh, it's a pretty neat thing. But now if I had to troubleshoot anything, I can pull that drawing, and it's just so easy to know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the diagrams are, are super important. I've got them for this boat. Um, they're not the easiest ones to read and they were done in pencil. So they're slowly fading away. Should probably actually just go over them in ink, but yeah, definitely you, you want to have that guide. So you're not sitting there having to guess and trace wires and all that sort of stuff. It is a pain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so what else has been going on? Tell me about your sewing. Uh, sewing. Oh yeah. New fender cover just sewn today. I've seen it. It's a beauty. Yeah. That was the second try. The first try was a disaster. When did you get the machine? Uh, like uh, almost a year ago. Oh, okay. And uh, our first project was hatch covers before summer. Yeah. yeah. And those are pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you can say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, as far as yeah, no, trying to right. build something, they're not, you know. they're not the most difficult thing, but uh, I guess it was a good uh, beginner project. Yeah. It's not like you're trying to do like a curved cushion or something like that. Yeah. We're doing Fender's cover next, uh, Jerry Can covers, and uh, yeah, I'm kind of waiting for my Bimney and Dodger to rip off and then have to replace it. 
Ooh. Yeah, it's Dude, that's a tough one. Sail right though, they they make a great uh sort of system for building dodgers. Now you've already got all the pipe work. I could just take so, it down and you know, yeah. that's my here's my patterning. Right. If I, you I just copy it and, rip yeah. all the stitches out, you can you'll have all the pieces. Yeah. Remake the pieces yeah. and put it all back together. It'll take me forever, but uh it costs me, you know, only the fabric. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I think I would save a couple of thousand if I would redo it myself. Oh, easily. I got quoted three and a half thousand dollars or something like that mm-hmm. to build a a new bim or a, a new Dodger for this boat. And there's probably less than five hundred bucks of fabric if you just buy the material. Right? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. No, to to get the piping, I didn't have anything. There wasn't yeah. anything on here, and I got it all through sale right, and it was, I want to say eight or nine hundred dollars. Um, but it took me 26 hours to make. Yeah. I it was one of those projects where I had a lot of Red Bull, and uh, <laughs> I just I started it, and I was like, if I stop doing this, because I was going from these YouTube videos, watching five minutes of it, and then doing that, and then watching five more minutes and doing it, and I was just like, if I stop this, I'm gonna be lost. I'm just gonna keep going, and we it went from in the box to what you see up there today. And that thing's been through 60,000, 70,000 miles now. It's still standing, but it's on its last leg. Like it's it is always a little something with the sail, right? No. Always. I don't know, like just earlier this afternoon, like uh yeah, just you know, I I do a whole stitch and then at the end of it I figure that uh somehow the thread has got gotten out of the needle. Mm-hmm. So did this whole stitch like oh yeah that that didn't stitch anything yeah where it's yeah. just holes they are fun I, like, though yeah. it, start again and then like now it's stitching halfway that's the bobbin under underneath that's empty yeah yeah right I, and then you gotta wind another yeah. one uh, there's there's been time I typically if I'm really on my game if I do some projects with the sail right I'll at the end of it, I'll go and wind about eight bobbins, so they're all ready to go yeah. for the next time. So I can just yeah. keep plugging them in. I always ton of them uh, winded, but now that that's black fabric, that fleece for the fenders. Yeah. So I got a, a black thread, and a, yeah, so I just have one bobbin. But uh, it took like I don't know two over two hours to do the first one, and like thirty minutes to do the second one. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I know, right? Well, and if you did another one, like if you, you know, decided to make some for my boat, it would only take you like two minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. I don't need them. Not on Old Sparrow. She's, uh, she's, uh, her paint job is not as robust as it once was. (laughs) But, oh, man. Well, yeah, we'll get ready for uh, taking the boat out maybe uh, sometime in the spring. Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, well, and, and we were talking with Brent. I was talking to him, and, and I guess you had mentioned it as well. So we're going to hopefully sit down and uh, maybe uh, discuss a little couple of hops out of the intercoastal or doing some motoring on the intercoastal, but maybe making our way north uh, come April time, something like that, which would be pretty cool. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. Go to uh, maybe North Carolina. I don't know if we're going to reach Virginia, but... Uh... We'll see. Well, and I think your plan is to keep going north, and at one point we will go back south. Yeah, eventually I'll I'll probably get to a point. I think a place like Oriental, um, you know, just there, Cape Hatteras, probably would be about as far north as I would go. Intercoastal stuff. 
um, I would want to hop out there because there, if you get a good weather window, a nice light southerly or something, you hop right out and you go. Take a week. Uh, yeah, probably maybe five days to seven days, depending on what the wind does. Um, you know, normally from here, I head out to the east to hook into the Gulf Stream, and then that carries me for at least two days of doing almost 200 miles a day. Um, and then it, once I'm out of the Gulf Stream, then everything slows back down. But without having to do that, yeah, I would think last year I got up there in nine days, and I would love to get up there in less than a week. That'd be pretty cool. But, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's an adventure for me, though, because I've always said that, you know, ocean sailing is is easy as far as the navigation and the keeping a lookout and traffic and stuff because it's almost non-existent but boy the intercoastal for me is stressful oh yeah it's uh especially at low tide oh my gosh yeah right yeah yeah and there's bridges and there's all this stuff i think there's a part of georgia or maybe it's the entire georgia icw it's like i think there's 140 miles of of the ICW in Georgia, yeah, and the coastline of Georgia is only a hundred miles. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's winding all uh, over the place, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I was talking to uh, a buddy of mine, and he was talking about going through Myrtle Beach, the Myrtle Beach area, and he said, I think it was the time of year that he went through, but he he just said it was just crazy. People are swimming in the intercoastal. <laughs> there was so much traffic. He said it was the most stressful thing he's ever done. So. I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping that at that at that point by like April, we'll have a good mix of, you know, one or two days of of nice light winds where we can hop out and do some yeah. do some, you know, 60, 80 mile sails, stuff like that. Maybe even an overnight. We'll see. But it'd be kind of cool to do it in tandem, even though, like I said, I mean, your boat's a lot faster than mine. But <laughs> just give me a little head start and then you'll you'll pass me in the night. <laughs> But it's it's also though it's it's hard for me because when I'm that close to shore, there's so much more traffic. So it basically means that I won't sleep unless I snag somebody else to to come along. So. Yeah, yeah, we can do that a little easier. We're two on the boat, so although Maybe. although last passage, uh, my wife was uh, so sick that the uh, yeah it, it yeah, was right. just a one man show. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll wait for those perfect weather windows if we do any any hops. But uh, I don't know. It'll be kind of interesting to see how the traffic. I, I have a feeling the traffic must kind of clear out a little bit once you get north of Charleston, because Probably. there doesn't seem to be much reason why ships would be in that close. Um, if because they're they're from Hatteras, they're either going to Charleston or they're going to Savannah. Or yeah, they're going Savannah, way Charleston, south. and then uh, yeah. I can only assume. I mean, normally I'm a couple hundred miles offshore, but that'll be cool. I'm I'm looking forward to it, and uh, yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we'll make it happen. If anything, I just want to see some of these towns that I'm I'm constantly hearing about. You know, Deltaville, Oriental, New Bern, oh yeah, um, Elizabeth City, all these places. I don't know. It, it should be kind of cool. Yeah, we'll have to sit down and uh, plan this for the spring. It's yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It'll be here before we know, and I have to put the bowsprit back on the boat. <laughs> so I've got some projects to do and all that, man. Oh, geez. <sighs> but we'll see, we'll see. Well, believe it or not, we're already at an hour. 
Wow. I know. It goes by fast, doesn't it? <laughs> it's crazy. Is there anything else you want to throw out uh, for um, for the listeners? Anything else going on? Yeah, maybe maybe one last uh, question for you. So, yeah. So if you got like a piece of equipment that is drawing 150 watt. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I'm how much current? Pop quiz, be? hot shot. 150 watts. How much current is that going to be? So I'm going to divide that. So, okay. <sighs> so if I have an appliance that uses 150 watts. Yeah. How many amps is that? How many amp hours is that? Just amp. Just amp. So I'm going to divide that by 120. Well, say by, by 12 volts. So that's only a 12 volt. Oh, system. by 12 volts because yeah. it's a 12 volt yeah. system. Okay. Well, it'd be the same. If it's only 120, you divide by 120, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So how many watts? How many amps? So it would be like, you know, on 120. Well, how, how many watts did you say? 150. 150. 150. Yeah. So divide that by 12. So that's like 11. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So 11 yeah. amp hours. And you see the, the 120 volt and a 12 volt DC, it's almost, a, it's, it is a factor of 10 to 1. And if I'm using it for 10 hours a day, it's 110 amp hours. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so I yeah. need to make sure that my battery, I have at least one. Yeah. Say like a, a 200, I'd want to err on the side of caution and have 200 amp hours. Yeah. So, you know, that's over 50% of your capacity. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And that's all I'll be able to run is that one appliance and I'll <laughs> sit here in the dark. <laughs> I think it's nice to kind of always just sort of be aware of like uh, how much uh, things consume and for how long they consume. Uh, yeah. Especially yeah. since we install our new, new inverter every time I uh, we run that that. Vitamix that I don't know why we still have that on the boat, but uh, we never use it. Yeah, yeah. And is that was, like a blender? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, like a Deluxe blender. I don't know. It was a Amy's uh, birthday present a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we run it, and I'm just like looking at the amp meter. Like, thirty-five, thirty-five <laughs> amp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like thirty-five amp. You know, that's a lot, but just right, one minute. Right. Well, I tell you what, one of the dumbest things that I have on this boat, which I don't use anymore, the kill switch for the engine on this boat is this, I, I don't even know what you would call it, but it's got a, a button and it's, it, it's like an, a, a magnetic plunger. So when you hit it, it goes clunk and it sucks this thing in. And when you look at the amps, and it's only doing it for one second, but it's probably using 100 amps. Um, it's insane. For like a second. For a second, yeah. Hmm. But I always It, just, it might be a, a, a solenoid. It must be, yeah, something like that. I mean, it, it, it's when I pulled it apart, because I don't use it, I just use a line that I put a pulley on, and that uses no power at all. Because that's, that's just one of those things where if there's needless... Uh, electric usage, you just cut it out, right? Yeah. If you can come up with a better solution. I mean, most boats have an actual wire, a jacketed wire that goes up to, you know, something you pull and that kills the engine. Because all you're doing is pulling a little lever that's on the engine. You kill the fuel, basically. To kill it, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I don't know, it's uh, to have this insane plunger thing that, that <laughs> draws that much that quickly. The boat also had an electric head on it originally and it was very nice it was it was a beautiful thing but it was something you would find on a mega yacht yeah 
I mean, a macerator pump. You just hit the button. It's like, rah, 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 rah. We and, had all that. I got rid of all of it. Oh, it's just it. useless. Well, my dad and I, when we did the original sale on Mighty Sparrow from Jupiter, Florida, down to the BVI, um, we sucked water in through the exhaust. I didn't know how to fix it, so the engine after day two was non, not there. Luckily, I had one solar panel. Uh, but slowly but surely, uh, the power trickled down. My dad left one of the water pumps on, and all of a sudden we had nothing. And when it came time to use the head, we couldn't use it. And I was like, well, this is really stupid, having this thing. That's and right. That's that not fail-proof. If it's electric, there's nothing you can do. Uh, nothing you can do. So, so where's the bucket, huh? Yeah, and it's literally like, it was like a $1,000 head or something like yeah, that. I, I yeah. tried to see if anybody wanted to buy it. Nobody did. I imagine we, we had a manual head, and we were going to change it for an electric one. Yeah. And finally, we ended up just getting rid of the holding tank altogether, macerator pump, and, and everything, and we just put a composting toilet. Yeah, yeah. That could be a next podcast, what you people do with your poop. Oh, yeah. Well, out at sea... Straight into the sea. <laughs> When I'm here, I don't use those facilities. I use the the glorious, glorious ones we have at the marina. Well, our composting toilet is pretty simple. No electricity. Yeah, I know. I is it is it an airhead? Yeah. Yeah, and it works pretty well, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, does what the, it's intended to do. <laughs> right. Right. No, that is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, we'll have to get into that. Uh, on another one i'm sure we'll we'll do another podcast but yeah that is kind of interesting i mean there's so many systems on these boats it's it's very much like a household but it's all just condensed and compacted into these tiny yeah, it's, little it's, things it's, it's it's a big machine really like it's you know this there's, there's just mechanic stuff electric all the rigging sailing yeah yeah oh, yeah but it does seem it seems like one of those things where the more complicated and the more the more appliances that you have to quote unquote make your life more convenient and comfortable seem to have a way of turning against you and turning into monster headaches when they break down yep. or this or that happens and like i've said in the beginning i mean my mantra on this boat has always been simple keep it really simple only really have the things that you need i mean there's a few things that i want you know stuff like that but it's I don't know. For me, it's not worth the headache and the expense of all these fancy things. Right now, one of the things I'm wrestling with is this whole the, the whole water system on this boat because it's got one of those accumulator tanks. It's got a filter, and then it's got a, a, a mesh filter, fine filter thing, and I the, the water spits out of the thing. I don't know. It just—it all seems like it's all just too complicated, and it has all these these valves that uh, these check valves and things like that. I don't know. I think I need to rip the whole thing out, simplify it. I mean, I like the little accumulator tank because it keeps the pressure up um, a little more consistent. But if it's not all primed, then yeah. it spits coming out of the faucet, yeah, yeah. and it's like, jeez. Yeah, we don't have that accumulator, and we got pretty steady pressure. Yeah, yeah. Just need a good pump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have an impeller one, or is it one of the? I said that. Yeah, that one. The plunger one. Yeah. Or what do they call that? Yeah, what's it's called? It's almost like a pneumatic pump, but it's 
it's like pneumatic like, pneumatic pump yeah it is right yeah. well it's like a membrane kind of thing that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh it's a diaphragm like, diaphragm there we go boom god we got it yeah <laughs> look at us go all right cool well, right. well pax thank you for coming in man um yeah, uh, we'll we'll definitely do another one of these, I'm sure, when we uh, figure out our game plan. And and dude, that'd be kind of cool, actually. It could be like a mini adventure because if we're if we're cruising for like a month, month and a half, visiting all these different spots, yeah, dude, we that could would be fun. Really taking orange juice out. Orange juice, yeah. yeah. Well, oh, and I do have to. I have to say, for the record, when you guys did the full on official renaming ceremony, <laughs> which had speeches, it had. It involved how many bottles of champagne? Four? Uh, four bottles of champagne and sinking uh, that uh, uh, bronze pl- uh, plate with the old name on it. Yeah, and, that and, was... And, uh, hoisting the, the uh, monkey up the spreader. <laughs> <laughs> it was so cool. I, I, you know, I, I knew that there are, uh, you know, nice little ceremonies like that, but that one was spot on. Now I know what it actually has to be done when you change the name of a boat. And that was cool, man. So I'm hats off to you on that one. That was really neat. <laughs> thanks. So, All right. All right. Thanks for coming in, Pax.